everybody welcome to episode 181 of the man of screen podcast i am your host mike zumo and can you believe it i am halfway through the Saulkind produced superboy television show i actually hit the halfway mark after the conclusion of last week's episode as 26 and 24 is 50 of the 100 episodes produced so i am actually entering the back half of my coverage of the of superboy and I am going to finish season two this week with, unfortunately, two lackluster episodes in my eyes. Johnny Casanova and the Case of the Secret Serum and the woman called Tiger Eye. I don't know what goes into the order in which these shows are aired, but I don't think these two episodes send you out of season two on, in a very strong way. You don't have to have a dangling cliffhanger, but... Go out with some good episodes, at least. Seasons 3 and 4 will definitely do better with their finales. So, before I get into these two episodes, I have feedback to address. Feedback here is from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen, episode 170. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. I enjoyed these episodes of Superboy quite a bit, probably in large part because the writers were comic professionals. Metallo was, for me, the better of the two. I think Michael Callan was a terrific scene-chewing Metallo, perfect for the part and story. I've always considered Metallo to be a foe of Superman, not Superboy, but I think the character worked well here, with an origin that was similar to the one in the comics, with John Corbin saved from a car wreck and transformed into a cyborg by Dr. Vale, who died soon after of natural causes, not killed by Metallo. And it was Metallo who replaced the uranium power source with the stronger, longer-lasting kryptonite. <laughs> Sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? Kryptonite, stronger than uranium, and it lasts longer, too. That's what she said. As you said, Metallo probably wouldn't be a big enough villain to build a feature-length movie around, but he works well in episodic TV. I enjoyed Young Dracula too, although the title seemed a bit silly to me, but that's just personal opinion. I thought the name Byron Shelley was an amusing reference to the famous literary group who in the summer of 1816 were staying in a villa near Lake Geneva, Switzerland. This group included the poets Lord Byron and Percy Shelley, as well as Shelley's then-mistress, later wife, Mary Wollstone Godwin, and their son William, and Byron's physician, Dr. John Pilladori. Now, 1816 is sometimes called the year without a summer because due to the 1815 massive eruption of Mount Tambora in Indonesia and the resulting ash scattered throughout the atmosphere, 1816 had the coldest summer in 50 years with crop failures all around the world. The summer weather was cold and rainy, so this literary group was frequently stuck indoors with little to do. At one point, a ghost story competition was proposed, leading to Mary, soon to be Shelley, writing Frankenstein, as you noted. Another story was the much less well-known novel by Dr. Polidori called The Vampire. I don't know if this in any way influenced Bram Stoker's more famous Dracula, but it is a much earlier vampire novel. Interestingly, the two professional writers of the group, Byron and Shelley, didn't really produce anything of lasting interest in this competition. I will be interested to see if Dr. Byron Shelley or any other vampire turns up later in the series. Live long and prosper, Dave. Well, as always, uh, thank you, Dave, for writing in. 
And uh, yeah, these were both uh, good episodes. Uh, Metallo was definitely the better of the two. And uh, again, Michael Callan, terrific as a scene. Chewy Metallo, we've seen him a couple times now in this show, and we'll see him a few more times uh, throughout the course of the show. One of the best villains to come out of this show. You know, Dave points out that Metallo, he always considers Metallo a foe of Superman and not Superboy, and I agree with that. But, you know, I guess looking at it now, I look at this show a little differently than I did then, and just with the ages of the characters, I have a hard time thinking of him as Superboy. You know, they're all young adults, and I think some of the episodes, even the one episode I'm going to talk about today, Johnny Casanova in the case of the Secret Serum, would work better with teenage characters than young adults. So this is, I consider this like more a young Superman show than a Superboy show. The Soul Kinds, I don't believe, had the rights to Superman at this time and had to call him Superboy. But really, to me, this show is young Superman, and I'm happy to see Metallo here. I mean, to me, this is probably the most comics-accurate Superman-related television show that we've seen in live action. You know, Smallville was, you know, Smallville, you know, as much as people want to say it is, Smallville is not a Superman show. This is closer to what a Superman show would be than Smallville was. And they just did it so well. And this show doesn't cheat. Like, you don't see any cape flutters. You actually see him take off. And, you know, this show is just so much better put together than any other live action version of Superman on TV. I mean, the adventure of Superman with George Reeves was good. Don't get me wrong. But there were no supervillains. Nothing from the comics. That's not a complaint. That's just, you know, is what it is. This actually brought stuff from the comics in and tried to be comic book-like. So this show gets more points than The Adventures of Superman from the 50s does. Sorry, Bob Fisher. And uh, as far as Young Dracula, yeah, the title is a little silly. I think they just wanted to get Dracula into the title. But actually, the title of Young Dracula does make more sense after you've seen the Run Dracula Run episode. Dave hadn't seen it when this letter came out. But we saw when I covered Run Dracula Run, that Byron Shelley is actually the son of Dracula, making him a young Dracula. Maybe his name is Byron Shelley Dracula. I don't know. And uh, thank you, Dave, for the history lesson about the uh, literary group. I knew about the group. Didn't know everybody who was in it. But uh, I didn't know about the year without a summer of 1816. But so, as always, uh, Dave is good for a history lesson when you need it. Very informative. Thank you very much. I really know very little about uh, John Pilladori or... Uh, anyone else in the group really other than uh the shelleys and uh L lord byron but dave as you've noticed at this point i even sent an email back to you after uh you sent this letter in that dr byron shelley does reappear i don't know if there are any other vampires that come into the show other than dr shelley but i guess we'll have to see as we go forward so at this point i'm gonna take a break play a podcast promo and when i come back we'll talk johnny casanova and the case of the secret serum. Hang around, folks. Hi, I'm John Wilson. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Make Ours Marvel. You know, here we are in 2018, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, can you believe we live in a world where everyone's old Aunt Petunia knows who Iron Man is? It's crazy, right? So, to celebrate, we're on our mission to explore the roots of the Marvel Universe. You know you've thought about it. Some of you may have even done it, and now we're going to do it too. We're diving back into the long boxes of Marvel's history and podcasting our way through the whole universe. All of it. Every superhero issue. And, if I can convince Mike, 
We'll even do Sergeant Fury. And it's not going to be one issue per episode. That'd take forever. <laughs> it's still going to take forever. But no, we're going to talk about as many comics as we can in an hour. Yep, an hour and, you know, maybe a little change. Every week, Marvel Comics. So it'd be super cool if you came along for the ride. Look for us every Friday at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's MakeOursMarvel.com. Or on iTunes and all the other usual podcasty places. And if you want to read along with us and send us your thoughts, we might even read emails. So until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock and the Infinity Watch TV show, Make Ours Marvel. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to start this episode off with Johnny Casanova and the Case of the Secret Serum. This is episode 25 of season two. Original broadcast date, May 12th, 1990. Directed by David Nutter and written by Mark Jones and Ilya Salkind. Guest cast included Mark Holton as Johnny Casanova, Glenn Masca as Johnny Ivanasek, Robert Reynolds as Stanley, Michael Marzella as Mr. Gore, Danny Hanneman as Cabby, Steve Dash as Suited Man Number 1, Nick Stannard as Suited Man Number 2, Greg Ashburn as the manager, and Conrad Good as the bouncer. And our synopsis is brought to you by TV.com. The gang is leaving the tennis courts when Lana is approached by a man named Johnny Havanasek. Hi, guys. Hey, Lana. Come on, you almost forgot. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be right back, okay? Okay. I'll tell you what, we'll wait. Listen, I happen to have two tickets to the Phantom, and I was wondering if you'd like to go. Uh... That would be really nice, but I'm kind of busy, and so... Well, it's okay. I just thought I'd ask. Here's that book you wanted to borrow. Great. Hey, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Johnny Vanessack asked you out again? Yeah, for about the tenth time. I don't know what it is. He's... He's a nice guy, but nice and dull. And he doesn't do anything for me. It's like he's too perfect. Wouldn't worry about it, babe. Doesn't do anything for me either. Later, Johnny arrives home to find his brother, Stanley, hurt. Don't turn the light on. Stanley? What the? You surprised to see your bad half? What happened? Who did this to you? Never kept very good company. You know that. Wow. This time it got me shot. But I did manage to get away with this. And they wanted it back. Real bad. Let me get you to a doctor, Stanley. Oh, damn it. It's too late for that. I'm dying. You're my brother, Johnny. I guess it felt I had to come back here and just see you once more. Now you take this and you drink it. It'll do things for you that you can't believe. What are you talking about, Stanley? Just drink it. Now don't say that I never did anything for you. Drink it. Stanley, hang in there. Don't let go. Stanley, don't let go. No. The next day, Lana tells the guy that she's going to visit Johnny. 
Meanwhile, at his apartment, Johnny takes a sip of the potion, turning him into an older, overweight, crude, unkempt, but somehow charming man. Lana arrives, and Johnny pretends to be another relative. <laughs> is is Johnny Ivanasek home? I'm I'm a friend of his. Yeah, right. Actually, Johnny's not home right now. He uh, felt a little time away would uh, be good for him. Oh, I I understand. Um. This might be a really stupid question, but what are you doing right now? Well, actually, I, I'm Johnny's cousin, and I just dropped by to take care of a few loose ends. Would you take me out? Me? You? Want to go out with me? Yes, I'd love to. Oh, well, I, uh, actually, I'm kind of on my way over to my bro- uh, I mean, Johnny's brother's place to find a few things out, you know, look for some clues. Clues? Are you a detective? Uh, actually, yeah, I, uh, trying to find out who killed my cousin. I would really love to go with you. Yeah? Good. Uh, I didn't catch your name. Johnny Avena. Casanova. That's it. Johnny Casanova. It fits. After they get info about a club that Stanley frequents, Casanova feels signs that the potion is wearing off, so he leaves Lana to finish. He stumbles outside, reverting back to Johnny Ivanasek. When he thumbs a ride from a cab, the driver points a gun at him. At the dorms, Lana boasts about her new love interest. I think I've fallen in love. Who is this guy? To put it simply, he's the man of my dreams. So when do we get to meet this Prince Charming? He's coming over tonight. Tonight? I'm so excited, aren't you? It's him. Do I look okay? Just great. Could be a little bit better, but can't have everything, huh? <laughs> Clark, Andy, I want you to meet Johnny Casanova. Hi, guys. This is the whole place? Yes. How do you stand it? This dump, it's so, uh, clean. We kind of like it. Well, I guess, if you never had better. <laughs> hey! Help yourself, man. Ah, I hate this poster. Ah. I bought that. You don't mind throwing this away for me, do you? Thanks. <laughs> Boy, buying something that ugly. <laughs> no, I love your shoes. They're just phenomenal. They're outrageous. Where'd you get them? Why don't you take a picture and last longer? <laughs> Clark, do you think you can get a hold of Superboy? 
Casanova thinks there might be a connection with the last tango nightclub in Stanley Avanasek's death. Yeah, we're gonna go down there tonight, see what we can dig up. Yeah, I can get a message to Superboy, but do you think it's really a good idea? Oh, I feel very safe with Casanova. You will, uh, do this for us, huh? Sure. Okay. Great. Great! By the way, sit on your shirt. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> hey, Johnny, wanna play tennis sometime? You and me? Play little tennis? Hey, I don't think so. I hate tennis! <laughs> <laughs> me too! <laughs> Great guy. You really think so? Yeah. Well, honestly, at first I thought he was kind of a jerk, but after a couple minutes, boy, he sure grew on me. I really don't think so. In fact, I don't understand what Lana sees in him. Oh, Clark, I think you're just a little bit jealous. Come on, he's got charm, grace, pizzazz. He's a great guy. I see what Lana likes about him. I think we should follow them. Just outside, Casanova and the cab driver are laughing it up. So then when I was in the third grade, I told my teacher, hey, I want to be a hitman for the mob when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> because my parents were called in right away and were told... <laughs> After they leave, Clark figures out that Johnny reversed his last name, Avanasek, to become Casanova. Johnny and Lana arrive at a club and are an instant hit. Two thugs watch from a table and a plan to make a hit on Casanova. When Casanova and Lana leave, they're attacked by the two thugs and kidnapped as Clark and Andy arrive inside. Clark's superhero picks up commotion outside as they leave in a van, but he's held up from going after them when Andy brings a girl by to meet him. Meanwhile, the thugs take Casanova and Lana to their boss's mansion. Hey, boss! The girl's in the basement. This is Casanova. <laughs> Remove the sack, and let me see what he looks like. Well, well, a man of charm. <laughs> what a nice visit, Mr. Casanova. Ooh, well, I wish I could say the same, but I can't. Hey, what's it like to be fat and ugly, huh, Mr. Gore? Hey! You are the charmer. <laughs> yeah. And you're the murderer. You killed my brother Stanley, didn't you? Come on. I believe he had something. Something I have been searching for for a long, long time. Well, looks like you're gonna have to wait a little longer. I think not. I want you to take him out and him a new car! Uh, uh, no! Uh, take him and pull out his fingernails! And then search him for the potion! Ah, uh, you guys don't want to do that now, do ya? Uh, actually, he seems like a really nice guy, boss. Do we really have to search him? I said I want him tortured and searched! Uh, boss, I don't know if I can do that. See, uh, I'd like to play cards with him and, uh, smoke cigars. I thought this might happen. It seems your charms are far-reaching, Casanova. I guess I'll just have to wait until the effects wear off. 
and then my men can torture you with glee. Now what do you need the potion for? You're already a bundle of joy! That potion will enable me to rule the world! Look what it's done for you! Throw him in the basement! The potion's effects should wear off soon. Let's go this way, man. Down in the basement, Castanova tries to find a way out with Lana all over him. As he finds a hatch covering a wall opening, the potion begins to wear off. Upstairs, the boss and his men are waiting for the potion to wear off when Superboy comes crashing in. He takes care of them and then goes to the basement. Castanova is now inside the hatch, and when Superboy pulls him out, he's reverted back to Johnny Ivanasek. Johnny, what are you doing here? Where's Casanova? Mr. Gorsman grabbed me and locked me in there. <coughs> <laughs> well, where's Casanova? He, he passed me, running down a sewer. He, he's long gone. <laughs> Did he say anything? Will I ever see him again? I don't know. Sometimes he just disappears and <laughs> then shows up again. Here, let me help you. <laughs> Johnny, I think Casanova dropped this. Uh, if I see him, I'll give it to him. You do that. If you see him. You know that feeling when you look at an episode title and you just don't think you're going to enjoy it based on the episode title? That was kind of how I felt going into this episode, and this episode is fun, at least it tries to be. Casanova and the effects that the potion has on people gets a little old a little quickly, but that is uh, what it is, I guess. So, we start on the tennis courts. Clark is wearing a shoes and sweatsuit and a fisherman's hat. You know, I guess he needs to cover his uh, Superboy costume uh, any uh, way she can, and she meets in a, what I thought was an attractive tennis coach, I don't know. Maybe he's a student as well. I don't know, but he looks a little old to be a college student. I thought he was a coach, but anyway, he is inviting uh, Lana to go see the Phantom. I guess maybe that's as much of uh, the Phantom of the Opera as they can say on uh, Superboy that getting sued. Apparently, he's asked her out multiple times, and Lana is uh, letting him down for the third or fourth time, or about ten times, as she says, and uh, he basically gives her a book and uh, drives off. Apparently, Lana doesn't like him, because he's too nice and too perfect. We should all have such problems. Granted, I've been known to say myself that if somebody's uh, too friendly, I get a little uncomfortable around them. You know, I guess it's the uh, cynic in me. And uh, Lana is feeling, uh, I guess, a little cynical about uh, Johnny being too perfect. Maybe she feels he's uh, too good to be true or something like that. I don't know. So Johnny goes home. And we're going to find out that his home life is not nearly as perfect as uh, Lana believes. As he finds his brother Stanley bleeding to death in the living room. Stanley calls himself Johnny's bad half. So I guess they are two brothers. No, no other siblings. So Stanley is having Johnny drink a serum. And it'll do things that he couldn't dream of. And uh, Stanley dies as uh, Glenn Masco overacts to the death. And we move on to volleyball. 
Uh, that's where Clark and Lon and Andy are now. Now they're at the volleyball courts. And Andy describes the death of Johnny's brother as a tough break. No, Andy. A tough break is a woman falling asleep behind the wheel of the car and crashing into your parked car outside of your house. That's a tough break. Your brother dying in your apartment is tragic, no matter what the circumstances are. Since Johnny can't deny his brother's last request, he drinks the serum. Because, yeah, if... Well, I don't have a brother, but if my sister were dying in front of me and said, here, drink this, yeah, I'm sure I would do it for the same reason. Drink an unknown, unknown substance just because your dying sibling tells you to. Because that's the last request. If Stanley's last request was for Johnny to throw himself in front of a bus, would he do that? Just because it's a last request doesn't mean you should do something stupid. And drinking an unknown substance is something that can be stupid. So, Johnny drinks the serum, looks like he's choking to death, and the episode ends. Oh, nope. He uh, goes down, and then, all of a sudden, he's had quite the transformation. He's no longer tall and perfect-looking, and now he is uh, a little bit shorter, a little bit older, and a little rounder, a little pudgy, no manners, likes to burp, and can't stop eating. And then Lana comes in, because she was uh, going to express her condolences to uh, Johnny on the death of his brother, and apparently the serum is having some kind of effect on Lana as she's acting all charmed and kind of all... Uh, sexed up here and all over johnny and uh so he calls himself johnny casanova so he introduces himself as a cousin of stanley's and they're going and they're going to investigate stanley's death kind of like an old school uh private eye and he kind of passes himself off like a private detective here and uh stanley's trailer looks a lot like brimstone's trailer just want to throw that out there now johnny is kind of uh, a little put off by uh Lana being all over him because when he looks in the mirror and sees his new form, he is not very charmed by himself. But he's uh, not sure what it's doing to Lana, and you know what? He's not arguing with it either. So Lana wants to go on the quest with him, and uh, she offers the services of Clark, mostly so he can contact Superboy for the climax of the episode. So eventually the serum does wear off, and eventually uh, Johnny turns back into his old self. He uh, tries to hitch a cab ride, and uh, the cabbie holds up Johnny with a gun. And then, I guess what we don't see off screen is uh, Johnny taking the potion again, because what looks like either a few hours later or maybe even the next morning, Johnny is back in his uh, Casanova form, and now he and the cabbie are acting like old friends. All right, so now Lana is all dressed up in Clark and Andy's dorm, and now they're being they're being introduced to Johnny Casanova. So the cabbie drove uh, Casanova to shoot the university. They're both disbelieving over his name. Johnny has no qualms about raiding their refrigerator and uh, drinks uh, a soda, which is trying to invoke Pepsi without actually being Pepsi. And the serum is starting to work on Andy. He starts to object to Casanova's behavior. Then when he takes the soda, he's about to chastise him for stealing it. And then he says, oh, yeah, have whatever you want. My guy says, you guys are. But it's not having any effect on Clark, who's just kind of sitting there confused. So everyone else is feeling the effects of the serum. Clark, obviously not because he's Superboy. Casanova pulls down a poster that uh, Clark is very upset over. So eventually they ask Clark to get a message to Superboy to help them check out the last Tango nightclub. Clark is visibly irritated by Johnny, and he didn't even really seem to notice that the serum didn't have any effect on Clark. He just kind of went through doing his shtick, and uh, Lana continued to be charmed, and Andy was charmed as well, starting to act like they were best buddies. Clark doesn't really understand what's going on, and... He spells Ivanasek's name, and apparently he figures out that it's Casanova spelled backwards. So, I don't know if Casanova was a nickname for him when he was a kid or something. 
You never know. But it is a rather convenient that Casanova is a Vonisex spelled backwards. So they go to the club and Casanova charms their way in. And apparently these two thugs here know about the potion. So I kind of wonder where Stanley got it. And uh, they pass the note to Johnny and they go outside to meet the two thugs. Now they know they can't get too close or they'll fall for the potion. And apparently the cabbie was connected to them in some way. Remember earlier in the episode, the cabbie uh, wasn't just holding Casanova up as we originally thought. He was trying to kill him to get the, the serum or the potion, whatever the hell you want to call it. And he does make a comment about his boss uh, being upset that he didn't kill him. So the cabbie is connected to this organization that seems to be run by Mr. Gore. I didn't quite figure out yet how the potion was working, but Johnny has figured it out. It's something he does with his eyes. He kind of winks at people or bats his eyes and they become charmed. So uh, Clark and Andy show up at the club. Uh, Andy found two women, one pretty and the other nerdy. Ten guesses as to which one he gives to Clark. And uh, Clark was trying to go change into Superboy to follow the two thugs with Lana and Castanova. But as the the, uh, the nerdy girl drags Clark onto the dance floor, the look of sheer horror on Gerard Christopher's face as he's terrified of this just is beautiful. Gerard Christopher has some really good facial expressions in season two, which is not something I really remember from my knowledge of seasons three and four. Meanwhile, the Johnny is hooded, so this is where I started figuring out that the potion has something to do with Johnny's eyes. So, they take it to Mr. Gore, who's a big dude, and he sounds a bit like uh, the narrator from the old uh, Grinch cartoon. It's not Boris Karloff, but he's doing his best. And this is where I noticed what's going on with Casanova. I'm seeing him kind of winking at Gore, who acts as though he likes Casanova for a moment, but apparently he is strong of will enough to resist Casanova's charm, at least for a few minutes. So, being that he can no longer trust himself he's just going to wait until the effect wears off and he wants this potion because it's going to let him rule the world really that's enough just the potion nothing else so johnny is now trapped with lana in the basement who is all over him and the potion starts wearing off and the big sign that the potion is wearing off is that johnny starts choking and at first i assumed he was going to change back into johnny Ivanasek in front of Lana, and she was going to be horrified. That doesn't quite happen, though. So upstairs, Gore orders his men to check the basement. And these guys are a little too, only too happy to oblige. These guys are grinning like a bunch of idiots. But the grinning stops, so Superboy just kind of burst through the wall here to wrap this episode up. And I like the way Superboy throws the goons around and manhandles Gore. He just picks them up. Where's Lana and Casanova or whatever? And the Superboy breaks through the door, and Casanova was trying to escape. As the serum was wearing off, and he found this little door that led into the wall, but it le- leads into leading to a dead end. So that's when uh, Johnny Avanasek kind of shows up out of the well and uh, out of the, and tries to pass off Casanova, and he has two different people. <laughs> Superboy strokes his chin thoughtfully and smirks. Lana's buying this. He knows the truth because he uses X-ray and telescopic vision to see that the wall there was a wall at the end and. The way he throws the serum back to Johnny and winks at him tells you that he knows the truth. He knows that Johnny and Casanova were the same person. Lana is clueless. And the episode just ends with this dumb look on Lana's face. And I just noticed a huge mistake here by uh, Mr. Gore's men here. They were waiting for the potion to wear off. Casanova still had the potion. What was to stop Casanova just from drinking the potion again and not changing back? Did they not search him? You'd think they did. Because if he didn't have the potion, there would be no way for Superboy to find it in the tunnel. 
Anyway, for as dumb as this episode is, I do like the ending exchange when Superboy picks up the potion that Casanova dropped and tosses it to Johnny, making it clear he knows the secret. Lana, like I mentioned, has no idea what the hell's going on. I don't know, maybe she's still under the uh, potion's effect, and I wonder if she had her wits about her. She'd have figured this out, but uh, not good, very silly, but worth it for that ending sequence. Dora Christopher can uh, be quite playful as Superboy as well, which is a nice dimension to the character. It seems as though this could have been a story that appeared in a Silver Age comic. Seems like a story that might have worked better with younger characters. These characters are young adults. I'm not really sure if I care for seeing this kind of thing done with them at the ages that they're at, probably around 20. Maybe if the characters are like 15 or something, this would be better. So that kind of takes care of that episode. I'm going to take another podcast promo break. And when I come back, the season finale of season two, The Woman Called Tiger Eye. Hang around, folks. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue, in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter, Batman, Dr. Fate, Black Canary, Fire, Ice, Maxwell Lord, Oberon, Captain Marvel, Rocket Red, Captain Adam, Mr. Miracle, Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Nort, and many, many more. Justice League International, Blah Ha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? All right, welcome back, folks. Gonna finish this episode and season with The Woman Called Tiger Eye. Original broadcast date was May 19th, 1990. This is episode 26 of season two, the season finale. Directed by Andre R. Goodfriend and written by M- McDia Varela and Michael Marr. Guest cast included Sky Aubrey as Tiger Eye. Sky Aubrey was the wife of executive producer Ilya Salkind. Eric Freeman as Peter. Eric Lindshield as Denny. Tony DiMartino as Philip. Danny Winans as Bobby. Peter S. Pake as the Asian man. And Elise Earl as the teacher. And our synopsis is brought to you by TV.com. An old lady pushes the shopping cart through the dark alley at night. She approaches a man who claims to have retrieved a precious crystal that has traveled great lengths to reach his hands. The woman gives the man two bundles of cash in exchange for the crystal, but then knocks the man unconscious when defending herself against his attack. She goes back to her abode where young men await her. She removes a wig and mask, revealing a woman, slightly younger, Tiger Eye. What a warm roof for the homeless will do. Business before pleasure, my pets. The last of the crystals of the ancient druid priests. (laughs) At last, my years of searching are finally over. Haven't I told you never to touch without asking? Each crystal has a power of its own. But the ultimate power belongs to whoever can fuse all the crystals into one. How are you going to do it, Tiger Eye? Takes temperatures greater than the sun. I don't get it. How are you going to go there? 
When genetics gave you that gorgeous body, I, I guess something had to be missing. The answer is right here in our own backyard. Superboy. Yes, that's right. He could do it with his heat vision. Yes, and I have studied that gorgeous hunk of man. But come on, you could never get Superboy to help you. Denny, you talk too much. Now we're just going to have to do something about that, aren't we? Poor, poor Denny. <laughs> now, back to the fun. How am I to my plan to get this gorgeous Superboy to do my bidding? All I need is this Lana Lang girl to do it. And... <laughs> As they walk on campus, Andy excitedly tells Lana that he changed classes to be in Lana's art class. While in the class, Andy is disappointed to find out that they're still drawing stills of men this semester, not women. Clark quietly sneaks in and asks Lana to cover for him in one of their classes. Nice work. <gasps> I didn't mean to startle you. What are you doing here? I need to ask you a favor. I was wondering if you could cover my history class for me. I'm not going to be able to make it. I have to cover that um, that museum opening that Superboy's going to be at. I'll see you guys later. Bye. See ya. This is the third time in two weeks I've covered for you so you could go out and do a story on Superboy. I really appreciate it. Clark, you're hopeless. What am I going to do with you? She stumbles into the new model, who is holding one of the crystals. She is instantly under its influence, and the man takes her. Clark is stopped by the art teacher when he tries to follow and is mistaken for the next class's nude model. He bashfully leaves and sneaks out the back window. Outside, Andy is still trying to talk to Lana as she and the man walk by, but is thrown into a dumpster. Clark sees them pushing Lana into a car and then tries to change the Superboy, but every attempt is thwarted by student interference. Clark then runs out in front of the car and is run over. At their lair, Tiger Eye and her young minions hold Lana captive. Under the trance, she told us this Clark Kent guy knows how to contact Superboy. <laughs> She gave us Kent's number. Where am I? My, my, my! What a pretty young thing! <laughs> Too bad you're not going to grow up to be old. I don't know what it is you want. When Superboy finds out I'm missing, he'll come after you. Yes, he will, won't he? Especially since I intend to extend him a personal invitation. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, we are curious, aren't we? I'm going to ask Superboy to do me a little itty-bitty favor. Now, you're not going to use me as bait. <laughs> I already have. You know... You remind me a lot of me when I was your age. Feisty, with a temperament like a... like a snake. Yes, yes, a snake. <laughs> Would be very, very fitting. What are you doing? My, how I love cold, slithery, wicked things. <laughs> 
At the dorm, Andy and Clark are anxiously awaiting to hear from Lana. A call finally comes in, but it's Tiger using a crystal to, to disguise her voice. I'm in trouble, Clark. I got away from them long enough to call. You've got to find Superboy. I'm in an underground lab beneath the old industrial park. Under the old Kenson building. I know where that is. Don't worry, Lana. I'll find him. What? Andy, you stay here in case she calls back. Wait, I'm coming with He leaves Andy in the room and jams it with his heat vision. He then makes a quick change in the storeroom and leaps out the window. Andy jumps out the window to try and follow Clark. At her lair, Tiger taunts the snake with a mouse until Superboy comes crashing in. Her men try to attack him, but he subdues them all. Andy catches up to Superboy and watches from outside. Where's Lana? How impatient you are, Superboy. Come on, Lana. Come and say hello to your hero. Yes, I think you two should meet again. Snake, this is Superboy. Superboy, this is Snake. What is this, some kind of joke? No, no, don't joke. This is a snake. And her name is Lana Lang. <laughs> Not as attractive as she once was, but she'll make a wonderful pet. How could you turn Lana into a snake? Ooh, it's very simple if you have the answers. And the crystal. <laughs> from me I want you to do a very simple task I need you to fuse all the crystals together into one not a chance now this is acid don't make me do something that you'll regret please fuse them Fuse them. Superboy fuses the crystals into one, and then Tiger zaps Superboy when he tries to stop her. Since one of her men has a big mouth, Tiger turns him into a vulture. Now that Superboy is under her power, she wants them to go to a private place to plan their conquest. Superboy suggests the Schuster Gardens, and they leave. Andy comes in to get the snake. At the garden, Superboy burns his and Tiger's initials into a stone to impress her. Later, he turns a rock of coal into a diamond. As they get close, Tiger sees the snake in one of the trees. When she goes to grab it, Andy tackles her. Now that she's dropped the fused crystal, the spell on Superboy wears off. Superboy tries to stop her, but Tiger uses the crystal on him. She tries to freeze him out. When Superboy tries to fly from it, she zaps him in the air. With Superboy down, Tiger is about to finish him until he uses the super breath to knock her over. The crystal rolls over to Andy, and he tosses it to Superboy. He strikes the crystal, splitting them up. This breaks the spell on the snake and reverts back to Lana. Tiger turns into a tree, and the vulture comes to her side. Wow. I guess those new crystals did that to her. At least she's still alive. Hey, isn't that that guy that she turned into a vulture? They're together now. I better dispose of these. Well, Lana, what did it feel like to be a snake? Probably no different than being Annie McAllister.
all right. Now, I don't know if either of the writers of this episode are comic book writers, but this seemed also like a very Silver Agey comic book story. Where else would one of your uh, primary characters be turned into a snake? It also seems to have some similarities to the 1984 Supergirl movie. Basically, Tiger Eye feels like a poor man, Selena, who also prayed to druid gods, if you recall. So, let's uh, get into this episode. Believe it or not, the season finale of season two. So, we start with an old lady pushing a cart through a dirty street. And uh, she meets this guy dressed in rags who is uh, bringing her a crystal from the Pyrenees Mountains. And uh, they make a deal, as one does in this kind of environment. She gets the crystal, and then he uh, gets shorted on his cash. And, you know, as most people of unsavory character will, when they get shorted on cash, they will threaten the person they're dealing with. And when this complaint is launched, the woman, in true old lady fashion, knocks him out with her purse and takes the money back. She just kind of takes his handbag and uh, whacks him over the side of the head. She doesn't even leave him with the cash. He, so he ends up with nothing. No crystals and no money. So... He did a lot of work for nothing because he's unconscious and she's walking away. So she knocks on a fake wall and uh, meets uh, some young men in bathrobes. And it appears that the old woman here was just a disguise as she takes her costume off and reveals not an old woman, but a middle-aged woman. Reveals Sky Aubrey, the then wife of Ilya Salkind. The crystal she bought in the alley was the last crystal from of the ancient druid priest. Like I said, very uh, give me a very Supergirl vibe vibe and uh, she's gonna want superboy to fuse the crystals for her with his heat vision because apparently that's the only thing that can do it and so now we're going to go into this very elaborate plot for tiger eye to get superboy into her power i don't know what her relationship is to these three younger guys but uh one of them questions her and is killed looks like she zapped him with a crystal and he aged 100 years and uh, he basically became a sack of bones so, apparently, the way for her to get the Superboy to do her bidding is through Lana. Because, of course it is. So, here's Andy meeting up with Lana, and they're going to art class. And Andy is trying to convince Lana that he's not only there to paint nude models, which, as we've come to know Andy over these past 26 episodes, is a load of bowl. That the only reason he is there is to paint nude models. And when he gets there and realizes they're painting a man, it is clear that this is not what Andy signed on for. He even asked Lana about it. He asked her, uh, what are we going to paint women? And Lana kind of gives him a smirk and says, that's next semester. So here's Clark sneaking his head in. Uh, He didn't take this class. And yeah, I've been to college. You can't just walk into a class you're not signed up for and bother a student. I believe Clark did that in season one and got chastised for it. He was trying to get Lana's attention in the class and uh, the professor made a big deal of it. So apparently, uh, Clark is asking Lana to cover history class for him, and uh, apparently this is important enough for Clark to actually go to Lana's class to ask her. And uh, Lana is uh, frustrated that she has to cover for Clark's absence again, and uh, so he can do a story on Superboy. Okay, that was kind of out of left field. We haven't heard any, heard any of these complaints before. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in Season 1 about how Lana would get frustrated with Clark for disappearing for whatever reason, but none of that in Season 2. In Season 2, she was a lot more cool with it, but... Apparently, her irritation with that is starting to come back here at the end of season two. And uh, the model for the art class was one of Tiger Eye's boys, and he shines a crystal on Lana, and she acts all giddy and happily goes with the model. I mean, her mood changes from annoyed with Clark to the grinning from ear to ear. 
So I'm guessing uh, this crystal has some kind of suggestive power. Or it has the same power that uh, Johnny Casanova had in the last episode. So then we get a very unfunny moment about the art teacher thinking Clark is one of her models. And uh, he gets this patented, horrified look on his face. You know, kind of similar to the last episode when the nerdy girl tried to drag Clark onto the dance floor. Similar uh, look here, and Clark falls out a window to escape. Because he really wants to see what's going on with Lana, because he saw that the effect that that crystal had on her when the model shined it on her. So Andy sees her going off with the model and asks what's going on. And she says she's going with him, and then Andy gets thrown into a dumpster for his trouble. <laughs> Meanwhile, Clark is having all kinds of trouble here changing into Superboy. One guy beats him to a phone booth. How somebody can beat Clark anywhere is beyond me. He uh, finds uh, two people uh, making out in a secluded corner. Can't change there. Some days you just can't change into Superboy. For someone who could probably do this before anyone's even realized he's moved, I mean, literally, Clark can change into Superboy and be gone before anybody realized anything has happened. He doesn't need a secluded spot that badly. But then he runs by the dumpster as Andy climbs out and gets hit by a car. I guess he won't be able to change into Superboy and follow now. So she's captured by uh, the model, taken to Tiger Eye, and uh, Lana is a bit feisty, and uh, she is persuaded through, I guess, witchcraft to give Clark's phone number to get him to contact Superboy. The spell wears off, and as soon as Lana gets threatened, and then the spell wears off and Lana starts threatening Tiger Eye with Superboy, Tiger Eye gets fed up and turns Lana into a snake. Well, if you're going to uh, mouth off to the evil witch, you're going to get yourself turned into a snake. Because nobody likes snakes. I don't like snakes. I've got one in my garage I've been trying to get out all summer. It's still goddamn there. So the phone rings and uh, they get a call from someone they think is Lana. It's actually Tiger Eye using the crystal to uh, mimic Lana's voice. And she's asking Superboy to meet up with her. Andy wants to come, but he tr trips over the phone wire. Remember those? Those of you old enough to remember phone wires? When the phone was plugged into the wall? Some people still have the, have these archaic artifacts. I don't, but you might, or your parents might. My parents still do, because my father's too stubborn to uh, stop paying for a phone that nobody uses. Anyway, so Clark really wants to make sure Andy doesn't leave, so he burns the doorknob to uh, lock him in. That way he can't turn the knob. And Clark ducks into a storeroom and changes into Superboy. Finally finds a place to change. It's kind of a invokes the memory of the George Reeves show as Clark would duck into a storeroom, change, and then fly out the window. Andy goes out the window as well, but not nearly as uh, gracefully as Superboy does. He gets himself out the window and then kind of has to just fall to the ground uh, from two stories up. It actually looks as though it's the same room from the first season. Clark also had a second story uh, dorm room in uh, season one. Most notably remember that from The Alien Solution, where Clark is alerted to what's going on by uh, people running around outside. He's clearly at least uh, one story up. So Superboy shows up at Tiger Rise place and fights off her uh, her boys here. And he wants to know where Lana is. But Superboy's not buying that Lana was turned into a snake. Because who would? If someone told you the love of your life was turned into a snake, would you believe them? I don't think I would. But she demonstrates the uh, crystal's power and turns one of the boys into a mouse and the other into a lizard. So yeah, now that he's seen that, he believes... Uh, the crystal can turn Lana into a snake. Superboy refuses to do what Tiger Eye wants because he's Superboy and he doesn't do that. But as soon as uh, she threatens the snake, Superboy does the job and fuses the crystals. He doesn't necessarily know that this snake is Lana, but he's not taking the chance. Now, Superboy tried to take the crystal from her, and now she's attacking him with it, uh, shooting energy out of the crystal and uh, kind of uh, knocking him down. So Superboy's now glowing, and uh, now Tiger Eye... Uh, not needing her uh, little boyfriends anymore, 
turns the last one into a vulture. So a lizard, a mouse, and a vulture. That's them. And uh, Super. So now Tiger Eye is offering to bring uh, Superboy to the dark side. He says no and gets another dose of the crystal's power. And since it was Superboy's power that created the crystal, I wonder if that's going to uh, give Superboy an idea. I was wrong. It doesn't. But in a surprise move, he tells Tiger Eye that he's hers. At first, I wondered if he was putting her on to kind of get her out of this little basement that they were in. Maybe he knew Andy was there. Maybe he didn't. But it doesn't seem as though that's the case. So after they leave, Andy is here talking to Lana, who is now a snake. And apparently, uh, Lana the snake snuggles right up to Andy, which is the only way Lana would snuggle up to him. So now Superboy engraves uh, SB and TE and surrounded by a heart into a stone. Lovely. Very 15 years old. Now he does the uh, squeezing a coal into a diamond trick. Looks just as good as the Superman 3 diamond. Squeezing coal into a diamond is another tried and true Superman trick. And so Lana now actually becomes the snake in the garden. And uh, as they're doing whatever it is they're doing, all of a sudden Tiger Eye spots uh, Lana the snake kind of in the trees. And Andy comes out showing that he should have been out with the football team and tackles uh, Tiger Eye as Superboy shakes off the effects of the crystal. But Tiger Eye still has the upper hand and all of the catchphrases. And apparently Superboy is no match for this magic crystal. So, what to do? How is Superboy going to handle this? If you said, with a little bit of wind, you have the right answer. Because Superboy literally blows her away, and Andy catches the crystal, tosses it to Superboy, who smashes it. And that is apparently enough to shatter the crystal, turn Lana back into human form. She comes out lying on the ground as if she's hunting the grass for her dinner. And Tiger Eye turns into a tree. And the vulture comes by and is hanging around by it. The vulture loves the tree. How romantic. And uh, Lana ends with a joke on Andy as he asks her what it was like being a snake. No different than being Andy McAllister. I like that. Yes, Andy is a bit of a snake. So, another hokey episode. Tiger Eye reminded me a lot of Selena from Supergirl. I guess there was more to milk from that story. Weird choice for a season finale. It's not a particularly strong episode. And even though I can't stand Gilbert Gottfried, the way Secret to Superboy ended with Superboy offering a platitude and the three main cast members posing and smiling just seemed like a better shot to end season two on than this was but i don't make the episode orders i just watched them in the episode in which they're presented and it really doesn't matter which order these episodes are presented in because there's no real continuity from one to the other so next time we begin season three with a two-part episode the bride of bizarro parts one and two till then feedback's always welcome man screen at gmail.com if you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Man of Screen Podcast to your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast. Until next time, folks, we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.